season two of the JKR podcast powered by Black Cobra Sports. My name is Jay Shriglin and I'm the host. Let's dig into today's episode after a word from our sponsor. the jkr podcast my name is jay shriggling and i'm the host it's going to be episode number two of four this weekend great episode yesterday got another great episode today we've got another bulls 2024 bulls black player this guy committed to the notre dame class of 2024 just committed here about two weeks ago from south bend we got jace lee on the podcast This guy tore it up all summer, just like I said, just recently committed, playing for Team Indiana this fall with the 23 and 24s from the state of Indiana. So just excited to see where this guy's career goes. Um, Today we dig into the Futures game he was at down there at Lake Point there about uh, about two, three weeks ago. Uh, We dig into the recruiting process, talk about that new Notre Dame coaching staff, and just much more, dig into into his entire career so far. Uh, So let's dig into it, and I hope you guys enjoy it. And welcome back to the JKR Podcast. Today we have an outfielder from South Bend, Indiana, Indiana Bulls black player. We got one of the newest recruits to the Notre Dame class for that class of 2024. We've got Jace Lee on the show. Jace, super pumped to get you on the show, man. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Doing good, man. So one question I always like to start out, just to start out every podcast, kind of get it rolling, is for those who don't know you, how would you introduce yourself? Who exactly is Jace Lee? Um, I would, I would describe myself as a, as a baseball player. Cause that's really all I know. I've been playing baseball my whole life. Um, I also just, just an athlete. Um, I just been around sports. My family's been around sports. Um, I've been playing sports my life started when I was about five years old, um, with football. Football is actually my first love before I, before I got introduced in baseball a year later. And then I was always a three horse guy, a three, um, sports guy all the way up until high school when I just dropped um, football and just focused on football and basketball or uh, basketball and baseball. Okay. All right. So you're playing basketball this fall, uh, this winter as well, or are you kind of just focused on baseball these last two years? I'm going to um, play basketball for the rest of the Okay. So like I said, you did commit to Notre Dame here this past week. So let's kind of dig into that whole recruiting process and how it all got started for you. Um, so when exactly did that recruiting process start and who were some of those D1 teams that initially took notice of you? Um, so I would say it, took start in like the middle of my high school season. Um, I had Cooper Trinkle. I don't know if you know who that is, but it's a PBR representative. He came up to watch a game down in South Bend. We were playing at home and um, I hit a, a long, a long no down home run. And that kind of sparked everything for me because he was there. So I did, I performed and the right eyes were on me and he, he posted it and he got on all the, the PBR sites and coaches started to took note, started to take notice. And then I got my first call from the university of Miami. Um, and, you know, actually it was University of Miami and um, IU were my first two calls. And I got them in like two days. Like it was it was crazy. I was very excited. It was like I was the official jump of my recruitment process. And then from there, as you know, I had that crazy um, walk off home run in the sectionals. And that was another um, another boost to my recruitment process. And once again, I did it with the right eyes. Cooper was there and he recorded it and then. It kind of blew up from there, and then that's how everything jumped off. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, I know Cooper po- – because I met Cooper. I was at a 
I was at um, Mooresville and Franklin game watching Clark and uh, Hogan, and yep. I met Cooper, talked to him a little bit. I know I, I saw that one at the sectional game where it was a no doubt homer, and you were like, "Get off of me" or whatever that celebration was. Yeah, I wasn't sure if that was the video that started it all or if it was before that. Yeah. So, um, so when you had those initial conversations, you said with Miami, was that Miami, Ohio, or Miami, Florida? Uh, Miami, Florida. Okay, so Miami and Indiana both reached out here that those first couple hours. So can you kind of take us through what those initial phone calls were like with, with the coach at IU and the coach at Miami? Um, so the first call at Miami was most most calls, the first call is really an introductory call. Um, you just kind of talk about, like, the campus. You talk about the baseball program. And they were just saying that after that video, they, they saw the tools, and they just they just wanted to first initially reach out to just build that relationship. So they were just they were just mostly introductory calls, no no big offers, nothing like that. So just uh, get to know the coach, get to know me, one of those type of things. Okay. So when you were on that phone call those, that first day when IU and Miami both called, what was going through your head? Because obviously, I mean, those are two legit baseball programs uh, calling you and making time out of their day to taking time out of their day to talk to you. So what was going through your head? Um, it was just like it was it was it was great. Like I just like my hard work was finally starting to pay off. Um, I was really a under the radar guy before this this whole um summer and my spring I had a big spring and a big summer I was an underrated guy um, nobody really knew who I was so for that for my first cause call and for that to be like my first big event in my baseball career was something that was special to me and it was like people are finally starting to realize that I'm the player that I know I am yeah so after talking to Miami and Indiana who were some other schools that started reaching out and uh, teams that you started building relationships with um, so I would say next, let me think. I think I would say next was Purdue. Purdue started to to reach out and show interest. Um, I always had Notre Dame. Notre, I, I was, I think Notre Dame was actually my very first call, but it was just more of a, it wasn't really like that serious at the time because it was, I'm just an in-state guy and there was the old coaching staff. So I would, I really wouldn't count that as my first call. I would really count Miami. But after that, let me go look at my notes for the colleges. Uh, So um, Cincinnati also started to reach out to me. Uh, that was actually my first, my very first offer. Um, Baylor took interest in me. Clemson took interest in me. These are all going through, going throughout the summer. Um, who else? Uh, I had about twenty D one calls, but after I committed, I kind of cleared out my notes. So that's why I'm really not sure. Yeah. So, obviously, I mean, it takes a little bit to build a relationship with the coaching staff before you receive that offer. So, yeah, sure. out of all the teams that were interested in you, how many of them actually did offer you and were kind of on the table when you committed? Um, so, basically, I was in a situation where I had three official offers, and that was um, from Notre Dame, Purdue, and Cincinnati. But I had about four other schools um, that, like, I had the – they were it was one of the – when I was going to commit, they when I wanted like my timeline, they wanted me to tell them, and they would tell me my offer. So it was one of those. So I would say Baylor. Um, I had Baylor, Clemson, and Miami were like the schools that, if I would have told them my timeline, if I was committing, like when I told them, they would put an offer on the table. But I kind of narrowed my options. And I knew I wanted to go to Notre Dame, so yeah, that's how it happened. Okay, so when you were first getting started in this process, was there a school that kind of took that kind of took the reins in terms of maybe? that you thought, okay, this is the school I want to go to besides Notre Dame? Or was Notre Dame always kind of the spot you were looking for? So, actually, 
after Notre Dame actually went off my list for for a long time, mostly the majority of the summer, because the old coaching staff they they showed a lot of interest and they just kind of stopped for a little bit. So my parents weren't like they didn't really like that. So Notre Dame was really kind of off my list for a while. And as I started to blow up, we just started looking at other schools. So I would say since Cincinnati was my first offer, and you know after I don't know like after you get your first offer, you just think that's where you're going. So I just thought. For, I thought for about a couple of weeks that Cincinnati was the place where I was going to go. That was actually that was also my like my first kind of visit, and I saw the campus and I I liked it. So I would say Cincinnati was a was a school that I thought I was going to go to. Okay, so as you're going through this process, obviously all spring, all summer, what were some key things that you were looking for in the school that you wanted to go to? Um, just what were some things that you were just like, okay, well if this school does this right, that's kind of where I want to go. Um, so I actually made a list, and I had some I always had questions that I wanted to ask these coaches as I got on a call and that my three things were um, to some schools, as you know, when you get there, there's, they like to play older guys and then there's seniority. And so my first thing was to just be able to come and compete and just to have the opportunity to play as a freshman. So that was one of the things I want. I wanted a, a university that had a good education. And, a, and then for the third thing, I would like a, a family atmosphere around the team and just a, a like a, a program that was surrounded with good people and, a good atmosphere to play in and a good fan base. So you said Notre Dame actually was kind of off your list for a while with that old coaching staff. Yep. And then coach Stifler comes in whole new coaching staff. So can you take us through that timeline of what, when did Notre Dame make it back onto your list and when did they start talking to you? And what was your thought process of that whole coaching transition? Like, were you thinking, okay, maybe with a new coach, I'd go to Notre Dame or not, or kind of take us through that whole mindset and that timeline. So we kind of asked the old coaching staff, I used to, I would go into Notre Dame and do little workouts with the assistant coach. And after like the summer started, it kind of it kind of slowed down. I lost contact with them, but I was getting other I was getting other interest from other colleges. So I really wasn't worried about it too much. So through the summer, I was just talking to all these coaches, enjoying the process. And like the last three weeks, we played in Alabama. We then we played in the WWBA, um, in Georgia, and then I played in future games. And those three weeks, the coaches were like the assistant coach was there. He just didn't have Notre Dame stuff on because like he wasn't officially announced, but he was the assistant coach at Notre Dame. His name was Logan Robbins. He was there and he was watching me, and I literally had no idea that this was happening. And then the two weeks that they were watching me, the third week when I was in future games, the very first day, I got on a call with Logan, the assistant coach at Notre Dame, and we built a relationship that whole week because I was in Georgia for like three weeks. Like I wasn't home for most of the month of July. I was in Georgia for basically that whole time. We built a relationship. We're talking for the, um, the WBA and then a week, the whole week of the future games, and we built a good relationship. Um, I got in a couple, couple conversations with um, Coach Diffler, and I just really liked the coaching staff. They're really down to earth. They really enjoyed me. They really wanted me. They they um, made sure that I knew that, and that's kind of how I narrowed down my decision. And I that was one of the, um, the staffs that I liked the best out of all the schools I talked to. Okay. So, obviously, you committed to Notre Dame here earlier this week. So, how long was it? before you actually committed and announced to the public that you were like, okay, Notre Dame is where I'm going. Um, I think I would, I knew for about a week that I was. Okay. And, like, and what, what was that final decision maker? Um, it's just after that first conversation with coach Diffler, I just knew that that was the place where I wanted to be. Um, coach Robbins talked to me about, cause am I, I'm an in city guy. I'm right. I'm five minutes from Notre Dame. So these next two years leading up to Notre Dame, I would be going, like I can go into the facilities, work with coach Robbins, um, talk to him about hitting, text him, like just um, just make me a better player. And um, they they really emphasize me being a part of the program, even now, even though I'm two years away from being there, 
going in there, get specialized, um, training with the coaches, getting closer, getting knowing the coaches. And that was something that really enticed me. And being a inner city guy, it's really easy for me to go interact with these coaches because they're five minutes away from my house. Yeah, exactly. Like you said, you grew up five minutes away from that Notre Dame campus. So obviously you've been to the, that Notre Dame campus. You know what it's about. But when you were going through that recruiting process, even though it was kind of a shorter, shorter recruiting process before committing, were you able to make to take any other college visits? Um, I, I, as I said, I went to Cincinnati, and in the before I committed, and I knew I was going to go. I was going to take um a visit to Miami in September, but obviously, as we know, that's not going to happen because I'm committed right now. Yeah. So, can you take us through what that Cincinnati visit was like? Obviously, uh, I mean they're a decent program as well. So, what were they kind of showing you? What was the vibe on campus and overall? Just what was that college visit like? So basically, um, it was like the three recruits that they were focusing on in, our, in the 2024 class. It was a right-handed pitcher, and then as you know, like no, you know who Noah Coy is from the yeah Midwest Canes. So it was us three. We went down there. Um, me and Noah took BP on the field. Um, we talked to to the hitting coach um, about hitting and just some hitting philosophies that they had, and then we um, we toured all the all their facilities, took some golf carts around the campus. Uh, toward the football field, went into the recovery, saw the weight room, saw the training office, and we just saw like everything, every um, everything that a baseball player would get if they went to Cincinnati. We we uh, we saw the um, freshman dorms that the baseball players would be staying in if I were to attend Cincinnati, and it was just an overall good first visit for me, and it kind of opened my eyes to how college really is and how different it is from high school. So be so be so moving back to Notre Dame just a little bit. So you are an inner city kid, like in terms of being from South Bend and you live five minutes away. So have you actually taken like an unofficial visit to Notre Dame or is it kind of just being on campus training with the coaching staff? Um, I took, it was you know, like, it was like, it's so basically college coaches will make a, it's like an elite camp where they'll just invite three people. It's not like on the website. Like, so it's just like, they'll call you and they'll tell you to come up because as you know, like as a 24 until September 1st, you can't, um, you like you can't have contact with these coaches and you like as far as like an unofficial you have to wait till September 1st to go in um it's like to follow the rules so they'll make up a camp and I did that in November with Notre Dame but that was like a, way before like really my recruitment process really started that was like the my first initial thing that I did with Notre Dame is I went in there with um like five other guys it was, it was a two dudes from Florida uh, Pennsylvania and then me and RJ that was the that was the first thing I did with Notre Dame Okay, so you mentioned RJ right there. So obviously, I got I had RJ come on the show yesterday, and when this episode releases, it's going to go Braden on Friday, RJ on a Saturday, you on a Sunday. So RJ and you have a very good relationship. We talked about this a little bit yesterday. So yeah. kind of just can, can you take us through what that relationship's like, how you guys built it, and how it all began? So basically, we the relationship between me and RJ was kind of already there because of our families. Our families was has been close with each other even before me and RJ or ever even a thought because me and my, my older brother and his older brother are the same age and they play football together and they went to the same preschool. So they were, they were really good friends when they grew up. And as me and RJ got old enough and like four, four ish and five years old, we would go to our, our brother's practices and we just started a relationship there. We became friends. We were the two little brothers. So we would play with each other. And then when we got old enough, we started playing for our first travel team. Um, when we were six years old for the uh, Michiana reps okay. and as we, we played there for a couple of years and RJ actually made the jump to the Bulls when he was nine years old. And I, like, I didn't make that jump yet. And he played not, he played Bulls in the fall when he was nine. 
and somebody on the team like quit or something. So I got like a private tryout and I made the team and then I joined the nine new black bulls in the summer. And me and RJ have been the only two players from that 90 team that are still currently on the team right now. And we, we just played bulls all the way from nine to we're about to be 17 now. So we've been playing what seven, six years. We've been playing bulls. Yeah, I know that's definitely something I want to dig into here in a couple minutes, but I do have just a couple more questions just in terms uh, in terms of Notre Dame stuff. So besides RJ, have you been able to build any relationships with any other guys going to Notre Dame or even guys who are on the team right now? Um, so there, there is a, a middle infielder from the Chicago elite team. His name's Charlie. Um, that'll probably be my, my roommate. When we get, when we do get to Notre Dame, I built a good relationship with him and talking to him. We also, we do have a, like a Notre Dame group chat about 2024 commits. So we just been texting in there these past couple of days since I've committed and we're just starting to build these relationships. So we're already friends when we get there. Yeah. So have you gotten the chance to play up against any of your uh, future Notre Dame teammates? Obviously besides RJ playing, both playing in South Bend, but have you played up against any of your future teammates? Uh, no, I haven't. Okay. So you committed on, I think, was it Tuesday or Wednesday that you committed? I'll commit on Tuesday. Tuesday. So what's, what's this past three days been like for you? Obviously, I mean, you commit. I mean, I'm sure there was tons of people who saw that, um, had a couple articles written about you. So what's this how, – how hectic has these past three days been for you? Um, so basically, this is my phone has been blowing up with the, with the support because, you know, that the Irish the Irish um, fan base, Irish community is, is very strong. So even if they don't know who you are, you them seeing you going to Notre Dame is just something that they that they take um, they take very seriously. So uh, I've gotten a lot, a lot of Irish alum been texting me and Twitter DMs, a lot of family and friends texting me on on my number on iMessage. A lot of um, support from my friends from my high school texting me on Snapchat. Everybody reposting and everybody texting me and giving me their congratulations on Instagram and Twitter. It's just it's just been a, a fun three days seeing all the support from the city. And um, the Irish fan base. Yeah, I'm sure with you being a homegrown kid, I'm sure this upcoming spring is going to be huge. I'm sure there's going to be a bunch of Notre Dame fans just going out watching, being like, "Oh, South Bend St. Joe's in town. Let's let's go watch them play a little bit. Let's go watch Jace Lee." So, yeah, these these next couple of years definitely, well, obviously not as exciting as actually at Notre Dame, but it's going to definitely going to be an exciting ride for you. But let's yeah. like, you talked about the Indiana Bulls there for a little bit, you and RJ. So let's dig into that just a little bit more. So, obviously, RJ went a little bit before you. You end up going as a nine-year-old. So, can you take us through your just travel ball, your travel ball experience so far? So, playing for the whatever that smaller team was, that lo- local-based team, before you went to the Indiana Bulls, and just how the Bulls um, have evolved your career so far? Um, so, it's, it all started um, the South Bend Cardinals. That was actually the, the reps. Um, that was actually the Michigan reps team before it was the Michigan reps team. Before we became Michigan Reps, when we were six and seven, we were the Southland Cardinals. Um, and I played for that team. That's when I was first started getting my love for the game. I played under Coach Mark Hussein. I don't know. You probably don't know who he is, but he's a he's a, a local coach around here. He he started and sparked the, my love for the game. And I just played there for like two years, and I saw that I was good at baseball, and I was starting to see the separation from me and the and the other kids that are on the team. I was one of the better kids, so I knew that – my parents and everybody knew that maybe that somewhere down the line I could be good in baseball. So after I just kept progressing and progressing. And when I got nine years old, I was given the opportunity to get that private trial with the Bulls because as I said um, earlier, somebody had left the team prematurely before the summer started. So I went down to Anderson, Indiana in front of Rick Steiner and I had a private tryout and I made the team in like five minutes. Like he knew I was going to be on the team. Like I had, I played really good in that tryout, got private tryout. And then from then, it's just really fun 
um, our 90 team, like we won 46 games straight. Um, like we were a very dominant team. We were second in the nation, um, nationally ranked like every year I've been playing for Bulls. Um, Rick really um, instilled in us how to, he taught us how to win. He taught us like all the mechanics of the game because he was a, he actually used to play for the, in the Milwaukee Brewers um, farm league and minor league association. So he knew baseball. Um, he taught us the ins and out of the game. He, he taught us how to be respectful to the game. And he was really the, my, my first really mentor of the game. He taught me everything I needed to know. And we just continued to win 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. And when I turned 15 years old, Rick actually um, was not my coach anymore. Uh, as you know, when you get to 15 and 16 and 17 of Bulls, there is no more like daddy, like dads can't coach the teams anymore. Um, so there's like already like set in stone, like a coaching staff set in stone for these these certain um, age groups because it, that's when the recruiting process usually starts at the 15 year old year. Um, so I was I grew I was really short and um, my 15 year old season was kind of a um, it was I wouldn't say it was a bad season, but I was growing into my body and I, I got a little bit more slower because I, like, I went from like five, six to like six foot in like a year. So I was growing into my body and. It was more of a, it was it was more of a um, a learning a learning summer and as I started to grow into my body I started to get faster, um, going from the my 15 year old season to my 16 year old season going from my freshman year of high school, um, at St. Joe I started to really start to get into my body and then going into my um, 16 year old season is when everything started to kind of click for me. Um, I grew into my body. I started getting my my quickness back that I had when I was young. Um, started getting more get started getting stronger growing more into my body and then that's that's when you see in the my sick my uh, sophomore season at St. Joe and I started hitting home runs and that's when I really started to gain my the gain the attention from college coaches was was this year and yeah now we're here now after yeah. the, after the summer yeah so you, you talked about Rick Steiner there for a little bit obviously I knew that he was the Bulls coach and he moved to the Canes I guess I didn't realize that was the reasoning behind he couldn't coach because he was a dad I didn't know that yeah. um so now you guys, as of today, with Simon committing to Illinois, um, yep. at, just at noon, um, you guys, you you told me that the Indiana Bulls this year, 2024, it is the first time ever you guys have had ten Power Five commits. So, yep. kind of take us through this journey, uh, just in your turn, in your side of the side of things, um, going through with Rick Steiner, and then you and RJ kind of being the only two guys left off that original Bulls team, and seeing these guys, Braden, Bradley. Simon, all these guys slowly moved to the Bulls. Can you kind of take us through that whole how that whole journey's been? Um, so yeah, we we always had that that core group of guys with JT Steiner and Jack Brown. As Jack Brown kind of joined us a little bit later, but JT Steiner, um, Noah Coy, me, and um, RJ, um, we kind of we came up, and then as we broke off into broke off into different teams, um, our coach, uh, this was my 15 year old coach, his name was uh, Scott French. That's when like. We started to get some some other players from other different parts of the uh, state, and that was really like the very first year of the, the like that mixed team that we had, and it was just it was fun getting to know everybody. Uh, we were really good that year. Also, like last year, our 15 year old season, um, like just picking up new guys, learning about them, stepping out of like really me and RJ's comfort zone because we really knew the same core, really 10 guys on the team. So um, stepping out, learning. Uh, meeting these new guys because um, there's there's more skill and in the end as you get older people start coming from all over the state trying to play for the Bulls because they know how uh, many connections the Bulls have so 
that's where like that first year of everybody started to come on the team and Braden joined and all these other players joined they're big time players and then this year we all put we put it all together everybody um started mostly everybody on our team started getting college recognition and, and our coaches started preaching to us that we're even that we're more the Bulls organization feels that we're more special and we're more talented than even Max Max Clark and Andrew Wiggins team to step above us like we have we got more talent we got more commits on our team and that's when we all started to realize that like we're like we're really talented and then as you see we're starting to get all this college attention people are committing to power five um colleges like we've gotten four four college power five colleges in the last four days me rj joe trenary and now simon today and we already got a couple two two three players on our team that have offers that will be committing soon so we're just going to continue to grow as a team and show show not only the bulls organization that but the nation that we're one of the top 24 um class teams in the in the, in the country yeah i mean it's crazy to see and i love it just as an indiana guy i mean like i said i saw shooter hunt tweet something about a month ago saying that the Class of 2024 in Indiana is going to be one of the best states. I mean, and like you said, I mean, it's proven itself this summer. I'm excited to see how next summer goes. But, I mean, talking about that 23 Bulls a little bit, I mean, yeah, they, they do have Wiggins and Clark who will probably be drafted. So maybe they're a little top-heavy in terms of that. I mean, they do have Santana, Drake, and all those guys. Yeah. But, I mean, like you said, I mean, you guys are just absolutely loaded, have tons of guys. But, I mean, like you said, I mean, that could potentially even have four more Power 5 commits yep. if Steiner, Hogan – uh, Jack and Noah didn't go on to the Canes. So how how has your relationship been with those four guys? Obviously, playing with them at a very young age, have you kind of still talked to them quite a bit now that they've moved on to the Canes, or have you kind of just not talked to them as much? Um, so I would say we had all four of them. We had really good relationships as we played, as you know, for a long time. I forgot to mention we were twelve years old. Uh, we were we were like we really were kind of like a dynasty. We won the that Cooperstown tournament. Um, we were twelve years old and we became the first team out of Indiana to even like even make it to the championship round, not let alone win the whole thing. We went uh we were the first seed. So it was that was a big a big accomplishment for our team. And we me me, Jack and Noah and JT and Hogan, we were, and Hunter, I don't know if you mentioned Hunter Snow, but we were all really close. And they moved to the Canes and there's no bad blood in between us. It's all fun. Uh we when we see each other we still communicate. We communicate on social media. Um, as you know, like we, pl- I played with uh, Hunter and Noah in the future games. There's no bad blood. Like we, we all still good friends. We just, it's just not the same when you're not on the team. So it's obviously not going to be that, that same amount of contact as you would if they're on the same team. But we're still, I would say we're all still good friends, and we all still communicate uh, pretty regularly during the summer. Yeah. So when it came time for Steiner to move on to the Canes, was there any thought process in your mind that maybe going to the Canes was a good idea, or did you want to stay with the Bulls? Um, so we, we obviously did think it over as a family because the amount of opportunities that, that coach Steiner did bring us and we really appreciated it, but we, um, we made the decision as a family that, um, it would be better suited for me to stay, um, with the Indiana Bulls and just to ride, ride out, um, my, my last couple summers with the Bulls instead of making, um, making a move to the Canes that we're really not sure. And it's really just, um, the first start to that team and we really weren't sure what to expect, but we knew what we were going to get out of the Bulls with the whole recruitment side and all the connections. And we really weren't sure how, um, how much, like, I don't know to explain how much um, recognition that the Kings Midwest would get. And we really weren't sure how that would affect my recruiting process. So we just played it safe and stayed with the, stayed with the Bulls. 
So your your 2022 travel ball season, I mean, it's coming to an end. I mean, you had future games last week. Do you have any other events going on this year at all, or is it mostly just next summer? Um, I don't know if uh, – well, so I'm going to play for Team Indiana during the fall. I don't know if you know who Team Indiana is, but it's a it's a prestigious team that plays in the fall. We'll go down, we'll go down and play in that Jupiter, Florida tournament um, during the fall. So, yeah, I just have like about six tournaments or five tournaments left in the fall, and then I'll be done for the year and start basketball. Okay, so now that you have kind of you have this fall and then you have next summer as a whole before your travel ball career is coming to an end, just looking back at your whole travel ball experience, what's been some of the best memories that you uh, that you've had and just some things that you think about when you think about travel ball? Um, I would say that the thing that sticks out in my mind is the Cooperstown tournament. Um, it was a week long tournament, like a hundred and some teams, and and just the just to win that tournament and to become the first team out of Indiana is a, is a core memory. I, um, I hit a home run in the championship game. That's also a core memory that I'll always remember. Um, uh, I would say basically really my whole my whole 12 year summer was like, that's like the summer like you hit home runs, you have fun. That was really one of my favorite summers. And I would also say just like the, like the brotherhood and the bonds you build and the hotels, the hotel rooms late at night. Um, the pools, the dinners, you like all the dinners you go to after the games with the team, with the, with the boys, going to the movie theaters, going to arcades, not even more of the like the baseball side of everything that comes with football and the amount of games that I played. It's more of the um, the bonds and the all the fun things that we did and going on the, all these big tournaments, going to Georgia, going all to the malls, um, just just getting close to um, the teammates and it's just, it's deeper than baseball. Like that's what that's what it, what it is and that's. Um, what, what makes me sad when I think about it is that it's it's more than baseball. It's it's, it's the it's the friendships and all the memories that you make um, while you're not playing baseball when you're at these tournaments. And yeah, that's really what that's really what it comes down to. So you mentioned Team Indiana there. You said you're gonna be playing for Team Indiana this fall. I know RJ is as well. From talking to him, I believe I believe that's what he said yesterday. Yep. So how did you get connected with Team Indiana? And what's what's overall what's the plan? Where are you guys gonna be playing at? Um, so basically Dan Held is uh, going to be the coach for Team Indiana. Um, he came and watched, came and watched us play, um, like periodically throughout the summer. And I'm, I know, I don't know if you know, but Andrew Wiggins was going to be the, was going to be a part of the outfield core. And when we go down and play for the, for Team Indiana, but he reached out and he kind of just, I was, in the, I was swinging it really good this summer. He, we watched the games every time he came, I was scoring balls up, hitting balls and gaps. And he just really liked he really liked what he saw out of me, and he just wanted me to be a part of the the whole team Indiana thing during the fall. So he reached out at the closest to the end of the summer and kind of gave me the gist of everything. We got on a phone call with um with my family and we talked it over. And yeah, because I usually during the fall I would just play with play with the Bulls team, but uh, once you get that the opportunity to play, to play for Team Indiana, you really can't turn that down. Yeah. Um, like this fall will be mostly at Grand Park. We'll be at Grand Park uh, for three for three tournaments, and then we'll go to to Chicago in this tournament, um, and then we'll end the the fall season going to Jupiter. Okay, so for Team Indiana, is that class? Is it mostly class of twenty three and twenty four, or do they have some twenty fives mixed in there as well? Um, so it'll it, it'll 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 um, be just twenty threes and twenty fours. Okay, so you also you also played in the futures game. I believe it was what a week two two weeks ago. A week ago, yep. Okay, so can you take us? I saw. I mean, I saw your. I, I saw your player of the game there a couple times. I saw there's a lot of social media buzz there as well. 
So can you kind of take us through what that future games was like? So what the average day looked like, what was the type of pitching you guys were facing and overall just how the whole event went for you? Um, so basically future games are just uh, every, the best uncommitted players from each state and some states are combined into one. And so you go there and you, the first day, uh, it's like a showcase type style. You do, you run your 60, um, you throw from the outfield, you do your exit reload, you take a BP round. And well, this whole time you're doing all this stuff, there's, 350 college coaches surrounding the field. So it's really the most scouted event that I think I've ever been to. Um, so then after that, after the showcase day, then you play three games and you get put in a pool with four or three other states and you play three games. Uh, we we actually got put in the hardest, the hardest pool with the three power states of Georgia, Texas, and California. And we actually came out, we won the pool. Like we had like a 10% chance or something to win the pool. And based on more, based on like how I did the first day, um, we, we were playing versus uh, Georgia, I want to say. Yeah, we're playing versus Georgia. And it, I came up my first at bat. I think I maybe I K'd or something. Yeah, I think I K'd my first at bat. And I came up, uh, runners on second and third. It was three to one. We were down by two runs, two outs. And I hit a um, a two a two out double and a gap. And that, that opened a lot of doors for me. Uh, a lot of eyes were on me right there. I think I, I hit the ball like 98 or something. So it opened a lot of eyes. Hit a ball in the gap, scored two runs, tied the game. It was just a big moment, and that was just like the the start of the the weekend that I was going to have. And then I had a couple other uh, base hits during the tournament. Um, I actually and I actually threw um on the next day against Team Texas, and I was sitting like eighty eight to eighty nine, and I my spin rate was crazy, and that opened some more doors for me. Uh, more colleges started to reach out. And then that last day we played versus Team California, I maybe had a base hit that day too. So it was just overall a good tournament for me. Um, yeah, that's that's basically how the tournament went. It was a it was a good event. So you talk about spin rate there. So obviously I know Perfect Game still has you only listed as an outfielder. I yeah. know when I was talking to Braden, he said that you kind of got some pitching buzz as well. So yeah. when did you when did you kind of make the move to be an outfielder and a pitcher, or were you always that that you just didn't get as much notice? Um, so basically. I just like I thought like ninety four, ninety five is from the outfield, so everybody kind of knew my arm was strong, but I just never was a pitcher. I played the outfield the whole summer, and they just like I pitched maybe one other time at the very beginning of the summer, and they so at the future games like one of the guys I think his name is Logan Smolair, he had like he had like suffered an arm injury, so that was so we had like two extra innings that needed to be thrown, and they knew that I had a strong arm from the outfield, so they just threw me in there. And that it was, it's really just like the spin rate stuff. All that stuff was really just natural. Like I was just, I was just throwing and I was just what, 80, 88 to 89 with like 2,600 spin rate. So my fastball was really heavy and it opened, um, opened a lot of eyes. And so my coach, my coach Hibbler, he, um, he always said that I, if I wanted to, I could have a, a future in pitching. Cause I just had that, that natural heavy fastball, um, uh, good breaker had a lot of, um break to it so he just he just wanted to throw me out there and and I actually and I performed good when I when I did go out there and pitch so yeah so could you could you see yourself pitching in college as well or do you think you're just going to be an outfielder hitter um most likely I'm going to be an outfielder and a hitter I'm not probably I got recruited to Notre Dame as as a position player so I probably won't pitch in college but in the future in the near future um I probably will close games for my high school and I probably will uh, pitch a little bit more next summer Probably uh, like I probably will pitch a lot more in the summer, but okay. as, when going to college, I won't. I probably won't touch that mound. All right. So dig it. So obviously, with uh, you, 
pitching for about two more seasons. What's kind of your pitching repertoire like? And are you trying to add any other pitches or are you kind of just sticking with what you got already because you know you've only got a couple years of pitching left? So I'm not – I would say that I'm not going to, like, hone in on pitching, but I, well, I am going to work with my coach and I'm probably going to develop a changeup. So I have three pitches, like a changeup, um, slider, slider type, um, off speed and a, a changeup and obviously my fastball. So I'll probably develop them three. And then um, who knows, like – I, I won't like hone in on it like I like I take my swings every night. I probably won't throw a bullpen like once a week. So I'll probably just maybe throw a bullpen every couple of weeks just to just to keep it keep it sharp. So when high school season and um, this fall, I probably will get a couple innings in the fall as well. Um, when when high school in the fall and summer comes, I'll just be ready to throw however many innings I need to because it's not going to be like I'm like a Braden and I'm going to throw every weekend. It's just one of those where if they need me, I'm, I'm there. You know what I mean? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So flipping around a little bit and talking about you playing in the outfield, are you – it just says outfielder, of course, just like it says for everybody. So are you a primary left center or right fielder? Um, I don't know what I am. So I do play center and right, but I think I do project as a right fielder at the next level. I probably will play right, but in high school I do play center field. So okay. then, as you know, Ahmad Duff is our center fielder, so he'll, he'll just play center and will rotate occasionally in the summer, but I do mostly stick in right. Yeah, I mean, obviously, when you have a guy like Ahmad out there in center that, with his type of speed, and he's just yeah. he's just overall that prototypical center fielder. So yeah. I, that, I guess I I didn't think about that before asking that question, but that that does make sense. Yeah. Um. But when when you are in center and you're in right, is there kind of like a difference when it comes? Obviously, your visions of the field is a little bit different. But right fielders, they're primarily known as having that strong arm out there in right field. But do you kind of have a different way of playing uh, each position a little bit differently, or do you kind of just look at it as the same thing? Um, so me and Ahmad, we do have a, uh, like a nice, we do have a lot of chemistry and we, like, we, we see the same stuff. Like we see eye to eye on a lot of stuff. So we'll see a foul ball or we'll see a swing and it will take two steps to right, two steps to left. We'll play pool. We'll play, um, opposite field. We'll play straight up. And we kind of just like, we kind of just play off each other. And he, I, I'll tell him to come a couple steps towards me if I see something that he can't, cause I'm obviously in right field with a better view of like a right-handed hitter. If I see something going on with his hands, I'll tell him to come two steps towards me or vice versa, I'll come towards him if we see somebody pulling off baseballs. So um, basically, in center field, and when when um, when I'm when I'm in right, when I'm in center field, I just it's really the same the same type thing for me. I, I just read swings. Um, um, I just read what they did, and I I be a student of the game. What they did their last day be, and kind of adjust. And any any really advantages that um, I that I can get, and when me and Ahmad can get to just cover more ground in the outfield, just to give our pitcher more success. So when you're reading those swings, let's say a guy walks up to the plate, you've never you've never really seen him besides maybe watching him in the cage or something like that. What is it that you see in his swing that you're like, okay, maybe I need to move to my right a little bit because he's looking he look he's looking like he's going to be a pole hitter. Um, so basically, there's there's like there's tall tail things um, when you when you're swinging, you're seeing a hitter. Their size, if they come up, they're a big right handed stick, and you because most of our pitching staff is what is probably eighty six to ninety most of our pitching staff. So we know that we're going to see velo. So um, I always look at the first, the first, the first swing that they take from right field. You can see um, hand drift. You can see um, movements like if their hands are drifting down. You know that um, if they don't like because you know everybody's going to square up a ball every once in a while. If they don't square up the ball, um, there it's going to be like a lazy, like a lazy fly out to right field. Um, or you know if like their hands are drifting down as they're stepping, that you know they're they're going to be under balls. So you take two steps to your left on the um, opposite field side. And if you see a guy with a, 
as we're getting older, you're starting to see more of those. You see a guy with a, a polished swing and a something that he's hey he'll his first A B or something, he'll hit something hard and maybe it doesn't fall. And you know that this is a polished hitter. You more you might want to play straight up, you might want to give him a couple of steps. Just that advantage. If he does touch a ball in the gap, um, you have more opportunity to get there. Um, just little things like that. You see a guy, um, a big lefty. You see a guy, um, big leg kick, and he's more stepping towards you as me being in right field, and he's he's more pulling off balls. I might tell Ahmad to come two more steps towards me because he's more more than likely you want to pull a baseball. And if he does hit a ball off the field, he won't hit it very hard just just from the simple fact that he's stepping out so it's just little things like that that you do have to pay attention to um as an outfielder as you get going into the next level just just to um better give you that that chance as people are starting to hit balls hard balls harder and harder just give you that chance to um track down these balls in the outfield yeah so flipping around a little bit to when you're actually hitting so let's just dig through your hitting approach just a little bit so when what what do you hit in the lineup i believe someone told me you hit fourth in the bulls lineup right yeah i hit fourth in bulls and i hit third in high school Okay, so when you're when you're on deck, when you're on deck, you're watching the guy in front of you. So usually it's RJ for the Bulls, I believe, hit number three. So when you're watching, oh, you get... uh, it's um, Griffin Tobias. RJ hits behind me. Oh, okay. So I got those two flipped. All right. So when Griffin's hitting in front of you, and you're just watching him facing this pitcher, you're just going through your practice swings. What's going through your mind? And then as you start walking up to the batter's box, uh, what's going? What like what's what are you trying to do with each at bat? Um, just kind of take us through that your uh, your hitting approach just a little bit. Um, so even before the game, when I'm in a cage, my first round, I, did, I don't even step. I just focus on peppering balls to right field, um, low line driver with the second baseman's head. That's my, my, my initial approach when I get in the box to feel my hands work. And then I just start getting into my step and getting into my, my real, my real swings as the next rounds go. But as far as the game, um, watching the pitcher in the bullpen, watching him pitch, I always focus on the first three pitches. Um, you can tell a lot from a pitcher's first three, um, sequence. So like if he, First pitch fast while he gets a first strike. What does he do next? Um, what does he do like if he it's a if it's a ball? What does he do? So most of the time, as a four hole hitter, it's kind of hard because um, you never know how they're going to throw you. They could throw you backwards. Most of the time this summer, I saw a first pitch breaker, first pitch change, but I really never saw a first pitch fastball. But as you could just try to do your best, um, you just look at the first three pitches. As to Griffin, he's a good he's a good hitter above um, before me. So if the pitcher gets um, gets a breaker um, first pitch because he is the three hole. If they get a breaker or strike, what do they do next? What do they do uh, the pitch after that? Just try to pick up on some of the cookies that a pitcher will give you if they get in the rhythm. Um, anything like that will just help help you as a hitter. So going up to in my approach, um, I always take three deep breaths before I step in the box and I draw a cross with the knob. I don't know if you really care about that, but I do draw a cross with the knob in the dirt and I take three deep breaths before I get in the plate. Um, with no with no strike, one strikes, I'm not my feet like I'm not crowding the plate. I'm like a step off the plate because I because with my long arms, I, I can still reach out out with one or two or zero strikes. Um, and I'm just sitting. You always as a hitter, you always have to sit fastball and, and try to see the fastball because if you sit a breaker and you try to and try to speed up to a fastball, you're just never going to be on time. That's just how baseball works. So I always sit on a fastball. And if I'm is in my approach, say I see. Griff gets first pitch curveball. I might take this as a hitter. I might say, um, I'm not going to hit fastball first pitch. I'm going to sit on this breaker and I'm going to smash this breaker. So it's just little things like that that I just make up my mind before in the bat. You have to have an approach when you go up, say you're going to sit first pitch fastball and you're not going to swing at a breaker until you get two strikes. Um, it's really different as you see pitchers' rhythms and you see what um, what they're doing early in the game. That's kind of how, how I make my plan when I'm going up and 
just paying attention in the dugout and paying attention during the game, you can find a lot about a pitcher and um, what they do to other batters. You're just paying attention. You can you can um, set yourself up for more success. So when you're in the batter's box and you're going through your at bat, um, when you do get two strikes on you, what does your approach change a little bit, and what does that change? Um, so basically, in high school season, I did have a more of like leg kick. Um, I would say like I, I lifted a little bit more than I did in the summer because pitching got better and I had to make adjustments. So I used to go leg kick, leg kick when I had no strikes, one strike, and then two strikes I would get wider and um just condense my leg kick. And in high school season, I noticed I had five bombs in high school. I noticed that all my bombs are two strike, two strike swings. So I I just knew that with two strikes I was hitting the ball the hardest. So I just when I got to summer, um, I basically took my two-strike approach in high school and I moved it to my no-strike approach. Um, and and like that's like my normal swing um, summer ball with the better pitching. And that that paid off for me, um, just making those – being a student of the game, making those adjustments. And so with two strikes, um, I get a little bit wider and my, my leg doesn't go up as much. It's more of like a, a heel up, heel down type situation. And I, and I put my foot on the um, – like – I'm basically way, I'm basically sitting over the plate now. Two strikes, like I put my feet as close as close, but not over the line as you can. Um, and I sit outside. I sit um, outside fastballs. So I just I'm not if I if a pitcher beats me in, then um, kudos to him. He got me. So that's just the pitch. Because as a hitter, you always have to um, you always have to give them a pitch. You can't cover everything. So I just give them the inner half pitch. And at two strikes, I just sit outside and I wait for them to throw me outside fast when I smash it the other way. That's just more of my approach for two strikes. Yeah, that's that's crazy that you talk about that no step home. That the, you've had five, you had five home runs, and they all came on your two strike approach with with no uh, leg kick. So as crazy as this sounds, so my last year playing high school ball, that the same exact thing happened to me. So obviously, I'm a bigger guy. We've never met in person. I'm sure we will down the road, but I'm a bigger guy. So that I was kind of a power hitter back when I played. Well, my junior year, my last year playing ball because I couldn't play senior year because of COVID. Yeah. Um. All all of my home runs that season came on my two, on that two strike approach where I had something very similar where when I had zero one one strikes like I had a big leg kick all that. Well, yeah. then I would move on to no leg kick and it's that's that's just something fascinating for me. Not like you really care, but yeah, of um, if you were if you were a scout watching your game, what would be your personal scouting report on yourself? Um. I would say that I'm a, a twitchy, long, athletic guy. Um, I do have a lot of like a lot of eye catching tools. I'm like a I'm a six three lanky guy. Um, I can run a little bit, so I think that's like that's eye catching to a scout um, for somebody my size to be able to move a little bit. Um, I would say that I'm a good teammate. I'm always, I'm usually always positive around the dugout, smiling, laughing with my teammates, just trying to get everybody up. So from that aspect, as a scout, I just say like I'm a, I'm a good person. I'm a good teammate. Um, I would say. My hitting, I'm a, I can swing it. Um, yeah, like as like my my numbers from the summer really showed that. Um, going down these bigger tournaments, I've been producing with my bat, and um, I would just say that I'm a, a well-rounded outfielder who can get to to get to most balls. Yeah. So as you head to Notre Dame's campus here in the fall of 2024, what is maybe the one or two biggest weaknesses in your game that you'd like to fix before heading to Notre Dame? Um, basically, uh, as you know, as a hitter. There's, you're always going to have like a pitch that you struggle with. And for my pitch that I struggle with, it's um, up balls up and out that are away from me and that, that are up and they're out with velo. So like you see guys 90 to 92 and that pitch is the, the pitch that usually does beat me. So I do want to 
get better and get more efficient with hitting that ball and hitting velo at the next level. The balls that are up above my hands, I just got to get to with two strikes. And another thing, I just want to get bigger. Um, I'm about 6'3", 175 to 180. It depends on the day. And I just want to be about maybe grow another inch. But I do, on the weight side, want to be about 195, 200 by the time I do get to Notre Dame, just that development strength and just be ready physically when I get there. Okay. So let's let's dig into your high school just a little bit. So obviously you said that recruiting process kind of started here this spring when Cooper Trinkle had that video of you on Twitter. Um, so overall, how did this past sophomore season go? And then what's the outlook on this upcoming season? Um, so as a sophomore, I think I, I batted upper fours, uh, low fives to my batting average. Um, uh, I would say I had – I think I had like eight eight or nine doubles, uh, five bombs. So it was, it was a good sophomore campaign for me. I think that it was a big a big step in the right direction for my freshman year. Um, playing varsity as a freshman was a big adjustment for me. Um, it was a bit nerve-wracking. And my second year in high school, I really honed in to, like, my, my body and my skills. And I just – and it was just a good year for me. I think I was I was first team and I made um, honorable mention for All-State. So, I think the high school season went well for me. And for the for, – I plan for the next two years to obviously be All-State for my position um, for outfielders. And um, I just want to – for one of these high schools, I want to um, hit uh, 10 home runs for one okay. of these. That's a, that's, a, that's a pretty big goal. But, I mean, it's very doable. I mean, Matheson, I know he had 16. I know uh, his senior year, I know Clark had – nine this past year so it's, it's obviously doable but yeah um so this is a question i kind of like to ask you younger guys who kind of just finished your freshman or sophomore season so when you're fit so what's going to be tougher so when you're facing the elite prospects of your age group or when you're playing high school ball and you're facing 17 18 year olds who are have beards going to college that, that, that next season so what would be tougher um in my opinion uh based on based on my experiences the the high school guys you don't see uh, um those those um overdeveloped dudes with the beers and they're eighteen they're they're usually not eighty eight to ninety they're usually eighty three to eighty five um the the big grunt guys so I would say that uh obviously my um travel ball season the the competitive schedule that we do play I would say the my um travel ball season is is substantially better than my high school season um as far as arms and what I'm seeing on a daily basis. So on the on the team side of things, I believe you got you guys won the the sectional championship last year, right? Or am I wrong? Yeah, yeah, we won the sectionals. Okay, so obviously, I mean that's always a great thing to do, win sectionals. But what's the outlook here on this junior season? Are you guys losing a lot of guys, or are you bringing a lot of guys back? Um, so we are going to be young. Um, I would say the only guys we lost is really um, pitching. We lost two two good senior um, pitchers that were lefties. So, but we do have some young guys in the works that are. I think we have a sophomore that's what eighty three to eighty. So I think we're as a as a collective group we're going to be similar to what we were last year, but we're just a lot younger and we have a, a lot of younger talent that we're going to have to build up by the time um, I'm a senior and I, they're juniors. So I feel like in the next probably my next season is a season that we'll probably do better as far as going on a state run. But for this season, I feel like we're just building and we're young and we're just gonna um, just play play it out um, as we are. So we, we talked about this a little bit earlier in the interview, but you talked about that walk-off home run you had in that sectional game um, that Cooper Trinko was there for. So take us through that. So obviously that kind of went viral. What was it like seeing your name all over Instagram, all over Twitter, having people doing all these edits for you? What yeah. was that like? And then kind of how did that how did that go in terms of maybe social media-wise? Did you gain a lot of followers from that? 
Yeah. So I'll just basically start um, during the game. Um, I think I was 0 for 3 up to that point. Um, I had a um, a couple ground outs and uh, I had a, a line out with bases loaded. So like things just weren't going my way really that game. And as like one of the things I honed in on this year was staying in the game, the whole game mentally, just being there mentally, not getting down on myself. So I just stayed up uh, mentally with the team and we, I came up in a big spot. My head was clear and, and I just, and I produced and it was a big moment for the team. And uh, we beat the rival, our, like the um, other Catholic school in our, in our city. We beat the rival in the, and we made to sectional championship. But as far as like the social media, it was just fun to just to see myself really, um, really starting to blow up and really starting to get the recognition that in my mind, I should have thought, I thought that I always deserved um, seeing um, all that, all these um, accounts making edits about the, about the home run. It was just, it was just surreal because really in my mind, when I hit that ball, I don't know what made me do that celebration. It just kind of happened. Like, so for, to see that blow up, it just, it was just, it was just a, um, a good feeling that the, the work that I've been putting in is starting to finally show. Yeah. Obviously like you, you talk about that celebration you had. So do you always play with that much passion? And if you do, like what kind of allows you to just play with so much freedom and so much passion, like you see in the major leagues with hobby bias, jazz yeah. Chisholm, and some of those guys. Um, so basically I've just learned, the less pressure you put on yourself and the more is the better you're going to play, the looser you're going to play. So I don't like really playing in future games and playing all these um, highly scouted tournaments. It just taught me to just, just play, like just play, just do play free and just really just kind of just really do stuff. Like it's, that's really my my mindset is just to go in play loose and just perform. Like, so when I do this, when I when I hit that ball and I do that celebration, it was kind of just second nature because in that moment I was already loose and I was already playing free, so now I was just having fun. So in that moment, it kind of just happened. So that's kind of how everything has in my career has it's just basically just playing free and it's not thinking, just not using my mind. Obviously, I'm locked in, but in a way, I'm I'm just loose and I'm playing. I'm playing the game to have fun. I'm not playing the game putting pressure on myself. So that's just kind of also comes with my as I'm playing the thoughts that I'm saying in my mind I'm saying in my mind stay free um like just stay free um be calm take deep breaths and just have fun those are kind of the thoughts that I, I steady replay in my head as the game goes on in the game so it's really just a it's a mindset thing the mindset when you go up to bat you look at the guy and you just say in your mind that he's not better than you and you just like it's just like the mindset that you're that you're the best player on the field at all times, no matter who's on the field. It's just a mindset that that'll help you in the long run. In that so in that sectional game, you said you beat the other Catholic school in your city. So I just a little bit of background on me. I live about thirty minutes east of South Bend. So I kind of like we play South Bend St. Joe when I was in high school for football and all that. Yeah. But who is that other Catholic school in South Bend? It's called Mishawaka Marion. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. I guess I didn't realize that was that in South Bend. I just always assumed they were in Mishawaka. I don't. Yeah. I usually don't make it out that far. I usually go down south towards Fort Wayne whenever I'm traveling anywhere. Yeah. But you talk. You talk about playing for. You talk about playing for Catholic school. I know you. Uh, you said you put the the cross in the dirt before you walk up to the batter's box. So what's it like going to a Catholic school? Because um, I went to a public school, so I really wouldn't know. So can you kind of just take us through what's it like playing for a Catholic school? Um, so basically, um, at practices, at the end of beginning and the end of practice, there's prayers, uh, set in stone prayers that we say every before the beginning and at the end, we say the same prayer. Um, there's 
school-wide masses once a month. Um, we have a chapel actually located inside of our school um, under, like, the main stairs where, like, all the classes are. So, really, whenever you need a break or you, you just want to go to the chapel just to release some energy, you can go talk to the Lord. It's, it's just um, we got priests on site that you can talk to um, if you need anything. Obviously, there is a theology class um, ingrained in your schedule. Um, every every semester, you're going to have a theology class. Um, so you just it's just you learn about the Lord. There's different um, there's different like blocks of the theology that you'll learn through your four years of high school. And yeah, that's basically it. OK, so another thing that you do that I wanted to talk about earlier, but we just kind of skipped over it. Um, so Hitter's Edge. So I know that's a great program in Michigan, close to that Indiana-Michigan line. Yep, how did you get connected with Mike, and how has he evolved your career so far? Um, so basically, we have me and RJ were going to a, a hitting coach um, in in Mishawaka um, when we were um, like uh, younger, like the younger ages. And when we turned ten, we discovered Mike. I don't really oh because we have we have a family friend named Trenton Stoner. I don't know. You probably don't know his, but his name's Trenton Stoner. He played at um, uh, IPFW. I, yeah, he, is that the Division One program IPFW? Like, yeah, is he is he a is he a bigger white guy with like blonde hair? Not blonde, but it's it's like brown. I think. Yeah. Okay, I think I think I met him. I think he was because I actually I when I was in high school I actually went to that same guy and I think I think he was in there hitting one day when I was working with Mike. Yeah. So Trent, um, he's been a family friend. He played with, he played football with my older brother, and his dad kind of put us on to Mike and it was like, he's elite. Cause Mike had Nico Cavadas. Obviously he played at Notre Dame. Um, Riley Torado, who's in the blue Jays organization. Nico was in the Red Sox organization. They've had some, um, some guys. Then he also had a, a guy that plays at Kansas, um, right. That he, he just got done with his fourth year at Kansas. He's had some division one guys. So we were nine years old and we we're just t- taking that step, um, into the Bulls organization. So we kind of want to get serious. And so we, we got a hitting coach and Michael, Mike Marks was a, um, the first guy that we discovered and that guy, that guy just kind of stuck with us and he just progressed. Um, my swing as going up, it's just been a lot of, a lot of steps to get to where I'm at now. And I'm, I'm kind um, finally starting to kind of figure it all out. Um, I'm starting to be able to make adjustments by myself and it's now I'm going there. Um, now the lessons are just like really like tune-ups. They're not really like teaching. Like I really know, I know the ins and out of my swing and I know if I'm, when I'm doing, if I'm not hitting the best. So, um, it's just, uh, we've built a, a good relationship. I've been going to Mike since I was nine years old and I'm about to turn 17. So you can see the longevity that he's been teaching me, um, for all this time. So I just give all the thanks to him for staying with me and, and training, obviously me and RJ to, to become division one commits. Yeah. So when, when's the next time you're going to be in Sturgis? Um, I actually had, I actually had a lesson, uh, last yesterday at one o'clock. So I won't be going to next week, um, on Monday or Tuesday. Okay. Uh, hey, let me let me know what time you're gonna be there. I'll I'll show up and get you get you some podcast merch. All right, Ben. That sounds good. Yeah, I, I probably yeah. be there Tuesday around like one or two. How far do you live from Sturgis? Uh, like like it's like it's like literally like eight minutes. Like my my parents act. If you, I mean if you want to stop after your uh, training lesson to get some get some burgers or something like that, my parents we own a a pretty a pretty good sized restaurant with some some pretty big burgers, some big sandwiches. If you want to stop by and get it get something to eat afterwards. Yeah, that's. that's but, uh, I'll have to. I'll talk to you a little bit more about that later. But um, yep. let's. Um, like I said before, we started recording. I'm trying to be an advisor slash agent once I do graduate from college here in a couple of years. So when I do get guys on, I kind of like to talk about their advisor selection process 
And you're kind of going through that right now, especially with this past summer, having such a big summer and just committing to Notre Dame. So when, when was it that advisors started reaching out to you? Um, so I don't know if you know of Sam Samarja. Oh he was, yeah. He's yeah. Big yeah. I, Sam, uh, He's Max and Bradley's yeah. advisor that I know of. I mean, yeah. I'm also, sure he does more guys. I was also in that, in that, um, little click, uh, I think it's called Westerman, but yeah, Sam Samarja was really like the first one to reach out to me. He reached out to me on Instagram. He DM me and basically just like, as he just kind of was one of the introductory things. And then he emailed my parents about kind of what he saw in me and, we're actually going to be meeting him next Monday um, in person. He's going to come to our house and we're going to have like a sit down meeting with him. Um, yesterday, I just got off a like a two hour long Zoom call with a guy named Brian Porter. He's like he's been a he's been an agent for a long time. And it's just kind of the start because obviously the draft is a talk for me. And in the next year or so, um, being draft eligible and being ready, if that is a possibility um, to go out to go to the draft, that is so these these advisors are starting to reach out and to just kind of talk to me about like the ins and outs of that. Cause obviously amateur baseball and pro baseball is, is a lot different. So they're just kind of reaching out to just kind of give me the, the gist of pro baseball. Yeah. So you said you were on a two hour phone call yesterday. So what, when you're on a two hour phone call with an agent, what exactly are you guys talking about? And is he kind of like just pitching his company to you or is it kind of getting to know you? What kind of, what kind of overall, how did that phone call go? Um, it was a little bit of both. Um, he was basically talking to me about his about his um organization and what comes with as being a, a player and a assignee of that of that um whatever it was called like of that company that he owns and that he would be representing me and he kind of he basically taught us about and talked to us about like what a scout because he because Brian Porter actually was a he was a pro scout for the um White Sox so he basically kind of talk to us about what what a scout looks for and the ins and outs of the scouting business so that took a while because you know that's obviously a complex business so like how how it does work and how the rankings go because there's like three rankings that it goes like the there's like a, a area-based scout and when he sees you it goes to like the region base and then to the national base so you you basically as a player you have to check three boxes for three and three guys will come to watch you at some point if you're if you're one of those guys that they're watching three guys will come and you have to just basically impress all three of them. And it just shows how much, how hard it is uh, to be selected, to even be in a discussion to play pro baseball. So we kind of just kind of opened our eyes and told us about the ins and outs of the businesses and of, of pro baseball. And that's just kind of, and he just talked to me about like my tools and my projectability. And um, that just kind of, that whole process was, uh, was why it took two hours. Okay. So as you're going through this process of picking an advisor, what are some key things that you're looking for um, in the person and the company that you, you end up do signing with down the road? Um, obviously, uh, uh, so basically it's going to be a guy who's – you can't have an advisor who hasn't seen you play in like in a real game atmosphere. And um, Sam Samarja has watched me countless times. So uh, that's obviously one of the, the things that I'm going to be looking at. Um, I'm going to be looking at a program that as while I'm in high school, they're not going to make me sign um, while I'm in high school until I like, – until I like basically confirm that I'm going to draft or when I'm going to college is when I would probably sign. So like my parents are just looking for a guy that obviously has the best interest in me and um, obviously knows what he's talking about. And um, the two guys that I, the two guys that have reached out to me have been guys uh, that have countless reviews on how good they are. And they have um, good clientele because obviously Samson Marja 
um, represents guys like John Carlos Stanton and big names like that in the league. So it's just um, things like that that we're looking for and just a reliable company that um, would do the best for me, obviously, uh, moving forward in the next chapter of my life. Of course. So talking about, like you mentioned, John Carlos Stanton, just, a, I mean, obviously Sam Samarja's client. Um, so let's dig into just pro and college baseball just a little bit. So with you being in South Bend, obviously Notre Dame's there, um, but there is no pro baseball team in Indiana when it comes to the major leagues. But you do have the Tigers, White Sox, Cubs. Like, is there a certain team that you're watching when it comes to major league baseball? And if so, is there someone that you kind of like to model your game after in the majors as well? Um, so basically, the, my, like the team, it might sound, but I actually have been a Yankees fan, a Yankees fan my whole life. They're having a really good year this year. But that's the team that I really do watch. And for a guy that that I model my game after is kind of oh, his his swag and the way he plays the game is Ronald Acuna. I just feel like his size and I just feel like at the next level I could project to be somebody like him and I could be like if I just continue to work and I continue to put countless hours into the game. I feel like I could be uh, a Ronald Acuna type guy in the future. So okay. a guy that I look up to and a guy that I watch on the daily. I watch his swings and that's just a guy I try to model my game after. Yeah, I mean NL MVP is what like a 20, 21, 22 year old. I mean that's not that's not a bad guy to model your game after. But <laughs> uh, just a couple more questions for it before we end it off. So um, when I when I do these podcasts, I do kind of like to ask some off the field stuff as we end it off. So when you're not playing baseball, what are some maybe passions that you have that are beyond the field? Um, so obviously, obviously, as I told you, I do play basketball, and uh, it's just something that I do because it's a good break because playing baseball three quarters of the year is something that it can, it can be draining at times and it can be hard to keep going. So uh, finding basketball and like, I'm pretty good at basketball. Obviously I have good size. So being good and, and playing basketball for the, for the uh, winter and um, going into like that, that next year is gone. It's something that I always do. And it's something that I look forward to after a long baseball season is, just being able to release with some of my friends in basketball and um, uh, some other things that I do. Uh, I, it's really, I really train. I just train for baseball every day and I play basketball. Like those are like really my two hobbies. Obviously I, I spend time with my family. That's something that I love to do going over and talking with my, my um, grandparents and stuff like that. Just spending time with my family. Cause as I've been getting older, probably like these past two or three years, I really haven't touched my – I don't really play the game anymore. So that's something I really don't do. That used to be one of my hobbies, um, playing, like, video games and stuff. But as I've been getting older, I really play the game. So it's really just training for basketball and baseball and spending time with my family. Okay. So playing basketball in South Bend, obviously I know Jaden Ivey played in South Bend, Blake Wesley as well, both guys who were drafted. Yep. I guess I don't know what year they graduated high school, but did you get the chance to go up against them at all, or were they too old? Um, basically, so Blake, I I don't know if you, but Blake Wesley is really like my family. Like, um, oh really? Okay. Yeah. So we have we're like we've been extremely close all like all like my whole life. Like our families are really close together, and we're just really like we. I've had a really good relationship, and I don't know if you know who Jr. Kinesny is. Oh yeah, he's he's going to Purdue, isn't he? No, he played. Jr. actually plays at Notre Dame. Like, but he's. Oh he, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, 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 okay, yeah. I know who you're talking about. He went. He he actually went to St. Joe, and I was as a freshman. I was um, floating that varsity JV as a freshman, so I was I was I was like a swing. So I did play with Jr. his his for his senior year before he did go to Notre Dame. And um, as far as Jay Ivey, 
I don't know, like you, you obviously probably know who Skylar Diggins is. That's another yeah. really close family friend of us. And so from being friends with Skylar, obviously comes Jay Nivey. So our friends. So I've been really connected to all three of those guys. And that are the really two guys that got drafted. I've been connected with them like really my whole life. Yeah. So even basketball, even though Blake and Jaden play different sports and even Skylar Diggins plays a different sport as well. But like, even though they are in the pro ranks, I mean, does that still kind of give you some ways to pick their brains and kind of see what it's like to be a professional, even though Jaden and Blake are kind of just becoming pro ball players, but have you kind of had the chance to pick their brain and see what it's like as a pro athlete? Yeah. um, I can still text Blake or FaceTime Blake to this day. And even though I don't play video games as much, we can still, I still, We'll call him occasionally or he'll call me and we'll we'll play video games and we'll just have those 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 talks while you're on the game and just how how his life has been um converting from obviously playing and blowing up at Notre Dame to being a one and done and playing um and getting drafted to the Spurs is just just talking to him about some of that kind of stuff and the experiences that he had. Um it's just been obvious it's just been good for for my career just to know how much work it does take if you want to just succeed at the next level. Yeah. So I was being in South Bend and being right there where Notre Dame's at. Are you a Notre Dame basketball fan? Because obviously, I mean, Purdue and IU, they're also great basketball programs as well. So do you follow them at all, or do you kind of just stick with Notre Dame? Uh, Yeah, I do. I don't really follow. I, my mom is the alma mater of uh, Purdue. So that comes with watching those games, and she really she enjoys all Purdue sports. So Purdue is a, is a part of our family. Um, but um, I think now this year, as – because once you become a recruit of a university, um, like a, a commit, like you can really get a ticket to really any game you want to. So the big games that these year, this year, the big games at um, Purcell Pavilion at Notre Dame, I'll probably, I'll get tickets to those just because I'm a commit. And just the the, the big football games um, at Notre Dame, I'll get those tickets too. So I just think I'm going to be watching a lot more college sports this year. Okay, I mean that's always that's a, that's always a fun thing to have. Yeah. But I do have one last question for you before we end it off. Yep. So, obviously, name, image, and likeness is something new that came out last July. Um, and so now once you do become a college athlete, you will have the opportunity to capitalize on your name, image, and likeness. So have you thought about a dream brand that you'd love to work with in the future? Um, I haven't gave it much thought, but my, my family, as we talked, uh, that was another part of the, the meeting with the agent, and that will be a part of the meeting with Sam, is that the big NIL – thing that's going to um, really affect the, the 2024 class and the 23s as we go to college. So obviously being um, partners with somebody like Nike is obviously like a big dream that I have because I do wear a lot of Nike stuff. So just being a partner with Nike is just obviously a dream that, that I always have. Yeah. So is Notre Dame, are they a Nike school or are they a different, or do they represent? Uh, Notre else? Dame is, is a, is a um, Under Armour school. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, I mean, Under Armour is a good program, a, yeah, a good brand as well. But yeah. man, that's all the questions I got for you. So I really appreciate you coming on the show, kind of doing this little Indiana Bulls interview series. So got you, Braden, RJ. Um, I know I'm reaching out to, uh, um, I reached out to Bradley, Thomas, Griffin, a couple other guys. So pretty excited for this. Um, like I said, just really appreciate you coming on the show, man. And I'll definitely be following your career from here on out. Yep. Sounds good. Thanks for um, having me. And that's going to do it for another episode of the JKR Podcast. Really want to thank Jace Lee for coming on the show today. 
Really appreciate it. Also want to thank Braden for coming on the show yesterday. Had two great episodes here this weekend so far. Got some great content. Hope you guys enjoyed it. We got two more episodes coming on this week. Some great content as well. Tomorrow we've got another 2024 Notre Dame baseball commit. We've got RJ Cromarty. He's been best friends with Jace now for a long, long time. We dig into that tomorrow. Uh, and then Sunday we have Bradley Farrell, another Bulls player, 2024 Kentucky baseball commit from the region. Um, so just really excited for the rest of this weekend. Really excited for the rest of this Bulls series. We've got two more full weeks and nothing but Indiana Bulls content, interviewing all the 24s, some of the 25s. Uh, so just really, really appreciate all the support. Hope you guys enjoy this Bulls series coming up. Uh, so make sure to tune in tomorrow. Make sure to tune in the rest of this weekend and the rest of the series. So for any more updates on the podcast, make sure you go check out our website. That's going to be www.jkrpodcast.com. And our social media is going to be at JKR underscore podcast. So check those out. Tune in tomorrow, and I'll catch you guys then.